Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Killer Astrology. I'm your host, Laura, and I hope you've been surviving the past week of Mercury retrograde. In just about eight days, the retrograde will be over. So if you've had a hard time, don't worry. Soon we'll all be able to breathe a collective sigh of relief, hopefully. But today in particular, we actually have had a special opportunity to take advantage of the power of Mercury's current action. As I mentioned last week, Mercury retrograde is a time when it might feel like things are going wrong consistently. But at the end of the day, it's all about awareness. And today in particular, October 25th, 2020, awareness is the key word because Mercury and the Sun are actually sharing the same degree, creating a phenomenon called Kazemi. This is a time when Mercury's power is heightened in a positive way, even if the planet's moving retrograde. In fact, a Kazemi Mercury retrograde gives us the power to see things we've overlooked without the chaos and the side effects that we experience at other times in the cycle. During this time, we may experience brief periods of luck or productivity and may have brilliant ideas surfacing in our minds. With the retrograde this time in Scorpio, the intelligence we receive may be about themes that are typically harder for us to access, being hidden under layers of conscious or unconscious blindness. So, for today, enjoy the brilliance you receive and appreciate the short break from the drama of this three-week retrograde period. Today we're talking about Chris Watts, whose story is very much in the spotlight right now. If you're into true crime or you're a habitual documentary watcher on Netflix, you probably know his story from the recently released American Murder, The Family Next Door. So I'm going to structure this episode a little differently. I usually tell you the story of a killer during the first half of the episode and then dissect the chart in the second half, but today I'm going to mix things up. We'll go back and forth between the story and the chart, starting with who Chris Watts was, moving into his relationship with his wife, Shanann, and then on to what happened the day of his crimes. Chris Watts was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina on May 16, 1985. From his mother's account in an interview with Channel 9 News in Denver, he seems to have been a relatively normal child a three-sport athlete and a NASCAR fanatic with dreams of becoming a race car technician. She describes him as quiet but good with people and mentions that he had a couple of close friends as a kid that remained by his side through adulthood. His friends describe him as industrious and hardworking, and the work he did was hard. From working with cars to working on oil wells, it was a lot of hard physical work. All in all, Chris sounds like a normal guy from a middle-class family who had goals and dreams to achieve. But there's always something beneath the surface. No parent likes to talk about the dynamics in their family that may have caused their kids stress while they were growing up. I think this is especially true in America, where we like people to think we've got everything together, that we're following the rules and we're doing everything exactly right. But the makeup of Chris's natal chart leads me to believe that although he had a normal childhood for appearance sake, what happened behind closed doors wasn't exactly smooth sailing. That doesn't mean it was horrible either, but based on the astrology, it seems that neither of his parents was especially warm and fuzzy, and they probably had a rocky relationship from time to time. I'm not saying this to imply that he had bad parents or parents that turned him into a monster. 
I'm just saying that the relationships we have with our parents, the relationships they have with each other, and the qualities they demonstrate as they raise us influence who we become. And there are probably some similarities between the personality we see in Chris's birth chart and the things that he went through in his childhood. As we know, Chris was born May 16, 1985, around 7 o'clock p.m. This makes him a Taurus sun with an Aries moon and a Scorpio ascendant. Taurus, his sun sign, is a fixed earth sign. It's stereotyped as stubborn and gluttonous, but those images of Taurus tend to just be exaggerations of its main goals, getting its needs met. People with Taurus suns seek out comfort and stability and try to build a solid foundation for themselves in the world. This makes them hard workers since they have goals in mind, and this checks out with what Chris's friends said about him. In addition to looking at his sun sign, we can look at the house that his son is in to gain a sense of where Chris's energies were meant to be focused in his life. With his son in the seventh house of relationships, one of Chris's paths in his life should have been to build stability in his connections with other people. But as we'll see later on, at 33 years old, he's pretty much completely failed at that goal. Aries, which is home to Chris's moon, is characteristically very different from Taurus. Aries is about opening new doors and tackling life's obstacles with bursts of excitement and energy, not paying much attention to the art of settling in, which is what Taurus focuses on. Chris's Aries moon is in the sixth house, which puts a little self-centeredness in the house that generally prepares us to function in relationships. It's where we build the skills to be a complete package to offer somebody else. Now, Chris's ascendant is in Scorpio, which adds a depth to his personality. Scorpio rising people tend to be reflectors of dark energy. Now, that sounds scary, but what I mean by that is that they tend to be mirrors for other people's dark sides. They show other people things they don't want to acknowledge in themselves. And as you can imagine, this can create some interpersonal difficulties. Now, Chris had Saturn in Scorpio in his first house, which likely tamed his Scorpio rising. It probably made it a little less intense, a little less out there and in your face. But it's still there, still powerful, and still full of secrets, which is a Scorpio quality. Between the stubbornness of his Taurus sun, the impulsivity of his Aries moon, and the unapologetic nature of his Scorpio rising, Chris isn't exactly what you might call sensitive. Or you wouldn't call him an expert at perspective-taking, even with his son in the seventh house. Like some other killers we've discussed, he has very little water in his chart. The planets and water signs are all in Scorpio, which is intuitive, but is also traditionally ruled by Mars, which is not a gentle energy, especially when the chart ruler is positioned in the eighth house, where we come together with other people. Chris's chart shows that he has a determined character and a drive towards self-preservation. And at the end of the day, I think he was always looking out for himself. Chris and Shanann met in 2010, when Shanann was around 26 and Chris around 25. Shanann was relatively recently divorced at the time, having ended a five-year marriage with her first husband in either 2008 or 2007. After her divorce, Shanann was low on her confidence, but poured all her energy into creating the life she wanted. She worked hard in different fields, having first worked with cell phones in some capacity, and then later at an auto body shop or a tire shop, according to police interviews with her first husband. 
Shanann worked hard and saved money to build her own house and was moving forward toward her goals. It was a little unexpected when in 2010, she received a friend request from Chris on Facebook, and she had no idea that they would meet in person and eventually get married. Although she was hesitant to fully immerse herself in the relationship at first, she fell for Chris and the couple were married on November 3rd, 2012. Chris and Shanann moved to Colorado shortly after their wedding, and it wasn't long before Shanann became pregnant with their first child, Bella, who was born on December 17th, 2013. Shanann was thrilled to be a mother, especially since she wasn't even sure she could have kids due to having lupus, an autoimmune disease that caused her significant health challenges. But Shanann certainly could have kids, and it wasn't long before she was pregnant again. She gave birth to her second daughter, Celeste, who they called Cece, on July 17, 2015. The love that Shanann had for her kids was tremendous. She shared as many moments from their lives as she could on social media, filling her Facebook page with videos of her family. Many of those videos include shots of her husband, Chris, playing with or helping out with the girls. While her Facebook was filled with happy times, there was some extended family drama going on behind the scenes. From the time that Chris and Shanann met, there was lots of tension between Shanann and the Watts family. Shanann was straightforward and relatively vocal about the things she wanted Chris to change. At the start of their relationship, she made comments to Chris about his appearance or other things she considered to be, maybe not flaws, but things to work on, and Chris's mom didn't like this at all. She wound up not coming to their wedding, and it seems that she never really got over this grudge. If you watch the interview that Chris's mom did with Channel 9 News, you may even feel this resentment. She seems to carry this dislike for Shanann, intense dislike, even now after everything that happened. In addition to the family tension, there were other troubles brewing. The couple faced financial difficulties after the birth of their second child. They filed for bankruptcy to resolve their debts, which included credit card bills, student loans, and mortgage payments, but it seems they were able to keep their house and move forward without much external change. The next couple years following the bankruptcy appeared to be pretty normal, and they very well may have been. Shanann had a new job selling wellness patches for a company called Thrive, and Chris eventually moved on from his job at a Ford dealership into a new role at an oil company where he made a decent living. But in 2018, things started to fall apart in the couple's relationship. Before we get into those details, let's look at their sinistry. Shanann Rusek was born on January 10th, 1984, near Passaic, New Jersey, very close to my hometown. She has a Capricorn sun and an Aries moon, but I'm not sure of her ascendant because I couldn't find her birth time. Being a Capricorn, Shanann was driven and goal-oriented. She had ideas about how things should be done, and she voiced those in her relationship. Like Chris, she had an Aries moon, which gave her a lot of energy. She liked to put her impulses into action, just like Chris. But even with moons in the same sign, two people sometimes have impulses that lead them in separate directions. And people with their suns in earth signs don't love to move their plans around for other people. Chris's slow and steady Taurus sun made his forward movement a little more gradual than Shanann's. And her Capricorn son liked to get moving and see results quickly. Capricorns are generally pretty patient, but we all have our limits. 
This likely put them at odds with each other from time to time, but that's typical relationship stuff. What's evidence of less typical tension is the way that Venus, Mars, and Uranus interact when Chris's and Shanann's charts are laid out together. Chris has Venus in Aries in his birth chart. This placement tends to be a bit more self-centered in love than other Venus placements and acts on impulse to serve the romantic needs of the self. Chris's Aries Venus is connected through an almost exact sextile aspect to his 8th house Mars. This is a lot of intense self-serving energy placed on Venus. Mars is the asserter of the will, but love is about meeting someone halfway. It's not exactly Chris's inclination to work his relationships like that. And we see in his interactions with Shanann that it's kind of always an all or nothing for him. He either fully agrees with what she says, or he lashes out. I say that he lashes out like he's done it on multiple occasions that we know of. And I say that because based on his chart and the nature of his crimes, I believe that to be the case. I can't imagine that he was always even-tempered. In Chris's chart, Mars is also opposite to Uranus, which works like lightning, exploding at unexpected times. The bottom line here is that Chris has problems with compromise and can demonstrate unpredictable yet forceful attempts to exert his will. So how does this interact with Shanann's chart? Well, she has Venus and Uranus just minutes apart from each other in 11 degrees Sagittarius. This means that the quality of her love life can change drastically in the blink of an eye. Put this configuration into Chris's chart, and we see some relationships between Venus, Mars, and Uranus that make him, make Chris, the vehicle of that unexpected change that happens to Shanann in her life. There's one other thing that's really important here. In Chris's natal chart, he has Saturn in the first house opposite his son in the seventh, almost exact. This is a really hard placement. It's hard to have Saturn and the sun opposite anywhere, but the first house and seventh house access is extremely difficult. The first house is the house of the self. It's where the personality takes shape. And the seventh house is the house of relationships, where we meet other people. Wherever Saturn is placed, we have to do work. But work is annoying, it's hard, and it's scary. And for that reason, we tend to try to avoid it, at least at first. But we're not supposed to. We're supposed to work on it. But in this configuration, Chris had two opposing missions. With Saturn in the first house, he's supposed to get to the bottom of who he is as a person, get acquainted with himself and comfortable with himself. But with the sun in the seventh house, he's also supposed to figure out how to live with other people, how to be in relationships with other people. Usually, people don't have these two missions going on at the same time. Chris had an energetically confusing situation going on here. It's a lifelong confusion, but something that he had to find balance in. And we know, and we'll find out later when we get to the details, that he didn't have that balance. Now, when we match his chart with Shanann's, we see that her Saturn is in his first house, very close to his ascendant. This put extra emphasis on his first house mission, a place where we have to do work and we might avoid it, but here Shanann is pointing out the things he needs to work on. The seesaw is very heavily tilted towards Saturn in that first house, which probably felt uncomfortable and at times like too much to handle. There was too much work and Chris likely felt overwhelmed. 
Now, this is not to say that Shanann was to blame for anything that happened. It's just a nod to the fact that this mashup, astrologically, was probably not the healthiest. They had too much in common, actually, and that made it really hard. Now, let's get back to the story. On June 11th, 2018, Shanann dresses up in a gray cotton t-shirt that says, Oops, we did it again, in big black letters, and she waits for Chris to get home. She sets up a camera so she can tape him walking into the living room or dining room, whatever room it was, and seeing her shirt. In the clip, you watch him come through the doorway, look at her with a goofy, surprised face, and then pause. He laughs a nervous laugh, reads her shirt aloud, walks over to her and gives her a kiss, and says, that's awesome. But later in the video, he holds up her pregnancy test. Now she's pregnant, that's the whole point of the video. So he holds up the pregnancy test and says, I guess when you want to, it happens. And then he mouths, wow. Now, if you've seen this clip, at least in hindsight, it's not hard to see that Chris isn't entirely thrilled about this new addition to their family. Unless you know the story, when you see this, you could just chalk it up to third child jitters. They'd had some financial trouble. They already have two kids. I mean, it's natural to be nervous. But we know that there were other things going on at the time that Shanann wasn't directly aware of. In the same month that Chris found out his wife was pregnant with their third child, he became romantically involved with a woman from work named Nicole. It wasn't long after she learned she was pregnant that Shanann took her kids to North Carolina for six weeks to visit her family and Chris's family who all lived out there. Chris stayed back for work, but planned to come visit in the last week of the trip. It was while Shanann was in North Carolina that she started to feel that something was seriously wrong in her relationship, because Chris seemed distant and cold when they talked over the phone and through text, and actually, he wasn't even answering all of her calls. Although Chris denied that there were any problems, Shanann's intuition was, of course, correct. While she was in North Carolina, Chris's relationship with his mistress was intensifying. When they first started seeing each other, Chris had told Nicole that he and Shanann were separated. But while Shanann was away, Chris and Nicole were seeing each other four to five times a week, even taking an overnight trip together. And somewhere along the way, Chris told Nicole that he'd gotten divorced. Now, I wonder what he told her when he actually left for North Carolina on July 31st, where he would spend a week with his wife and his children before returning altogether in early August. Now, that part of the trip wasn't great. They had stuff to work through, but Chris didn't admit to Shanann that he was having an affair, and they came home together, and actually, when they were home, it appears that they had a good couple of nights together. But it didn't last long, because Shanann flew to Arizona on August 9th, where she spent the next four days doing things for work. In the early morning of August 13th, 2018, Shanann returns home from her trip to Arizona. She gets off the plane sometime in the one o'clock hour, and a friend, coincidentally named Nicole, drops her off at home. When Nicole starts texting Shanann the next morning and doesn't hear back, she begins to worry. She knows that Shanann got home. She brought her there herself. So why isn't she picking up? She drives to her friend's house, which appears to be empty, and very concerned calls the police to report Shanann missing around 1.40 p.m. Chris quickly comes home and begins searching the home with the police, at one point saying, I don't know what I should do. Should I drive around the normal route where she would be? 
knowing full well that he wouldn't find her there. For the next two days, Chris speaks with media outlets and police and asserts that he doesn't know where Shanann and his kids went. He pleads for them to return, or for whoever took them, to let them come home. But as police are conducting a search for Shanann and her two young children, Chris is undergoing police investigation. He's answering questions about the last few interactions he had with his wife and what he thinks may have happened to her and his two kids. He's eventually asked to take a polygraph test, and on August 15th, he fails miserably. He doesn't initially confess to any wrongdoings to police, but instead asks to see his father. Police let his father into the questioning room, and Chris winds up confessing to his dad that he killed Shanann. But the confession isn't all truthful. He says that on the morning Shanann died, the two had a conversation in which he shared that he was having an affair. He said that Shanann got really angry and lashed out, saying he would never see his kids again. He says that he only killed Shanann when he witnessed her smothering her own children to punish Chris for having an affair. But this, of course, was a complete lie. What actually happened was that at some time in the early morning of August 13th, Chris strangled his wife and drove her body with her kids alive and well in the car to a site owned by the oil company he worked for. He then buried Shanann in a shallow grave and dumped his kids into two separate oil tanks. Then he went to work in that same site that same day and less than 12 hours drove himself home to greet police as they searched his house for his family, acting like nothing had happened. It wasn't long before Chris was tried for this heartless crime and convicted, thank God. He was found guilty of nine different charges, including five counts of first-degree murder, two counts of additional murder because his kids were so young, three counts of tampering with a deceased human body, and one count of unlawful termination of a pregnancy because Shanann was pregnant. Now, I could spend the rest of the day talking about how happy I am that this guy is behind bars, but we do have to get to the astrology of his crimes. At this point, we know based on the events and on his astrology that Chris had a character that was capable of committing these disgusting acts. But what made him carry them out and why at the time he chose? Let's take a look. When Chris first confessed, he said that he killed Shanann out of impulse, that he strangled his wife out of anger and rage. But I don't believe that for a second. I think he was planning this for a while, a couple of months. Maybe he had all the steps laid out but didn't exactly know when he would follow through, but it was definitely planned. I think things started to feel unbearable for him in his relationship around April of 2018, when transiting Saturn went retrograde in his second house and Mars squared his natal Venus, then met with Pluto and squared his natal Moon. The psychological influence of these transits would have been conflict between his personal goals and his relationship, followed by a bout of anger and resentment. The discomfort was brewing, and it was only a matter of time before something exploded. In June of 2018, around the time when Chris learned Shanann was pregnant and met his mistress Nicole, Venus, the goddess of love, moved into Leo in his ninth house. The ninth house is about exploration, and Leo is about having fun, and this became a time for Chris to explore his romantic options. He was able to enjoy his new relationship through the beginning of July, 
But then Venus moved into Virgo, and there was no more time to play. It was all about planning. If he wanted this new relationship to work, he would have to take the steps to make it happen, using forethought. By the time August came along, the sun had crept into Chris's 10th house, the house where we create an external version of the internal world we desire. He wanted to change his circumstances, but with the transiting sun square his natal sun, that wouldn't come easily. But he didn't want to struggle. He was antsy. Mars in 29 degrees Capricorn made him feel restless. It was squaring his natal Pluto, which added a darkness to that restlessness. And at the same time, this configuration was squaring Uranus, which turned him into a ticking time bomb. Saturn retrograde on top of his natal Neptune in the second house made him question his values, his sense of right and wrong, what he wanted in life. It was the perfect combination of impulse, confusion, and desire that activated his brutal destructive powers and ended his life as he knew it and ruined the lives of so many people he knew and supposedly loved. Did he feel freedom that he so longed for when the flames died out and his deed was done? Maybe as gross as that sounds for a split second, but it couldn't have lasted long because as we know and as we are super grateful for, he's currently serving five life sentences for his crimes. Still, I can't stop thinking of the tremendous grief that Shanann's family must feel after losing their daughter and their grandchildren. We can only hope that they find some peace as time goes on, and I'll be sending them good vibes now and again. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Killer Astrology. Head to KillerAstrologyPodcast.com to see the charts used in this episode or to schedule a reading with me. If you liked the episode, please take a moment to give a five-star rating and follow on social media. I'm looking forward to coming back next week with another new episode. Until then, remember, people may lie, but the stars never do.